Hi everyone, this is Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Everything is Football. Don't go away. Hello everyone, my name is Mark Geshwin, and welcome to another EIF podcast. I'm here once again with Tomas Horsell, who is quite frustrated at the moment because his Chelsea side have just been eliminated from the Carabao Cup, Tomas, and I know you desperately wanted to win that prestigious trophy. Um... It's a, tro- it's a trophy, you know. It's it's uh, it's something Jose won last year. And just really quick, Mark, I know you're you're an avid FIFA player. You're not very good. You rage a weekend league. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that game was a weekend league game? How many controllers would one of us have broken that game? Because that was not saying Chelsea were good. It was a shocking performance from us. But I mean, come on, that first goal, that second goal. Hazard slipping, that was absolutely, you think handicap was on in that game. Well, since I can control my temple temper, I probably would have broken zero. But if that was you, yes, it could have been three or four out the window, <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> um, so as we've been doing recently, we've been sort of doing a little, a little Twitter recap where we talk about our more sort of controversial tweets. Um, and so we're just going to jump right into it with the first one being a quote from Arsene Wenger, who basically said, I cannot understand anybody wanting to leave Arsenal, obviously in relation to the Alexis Sanchez departure. And we said, it's because of you, Arsene. It's because of you. And Tomas, I'll let you start with this because I know you have a lot to say on this. Um, just why does Arsene deserve so much blame and why has he overstayed his visit by so many years now? I've, I've never seen a guy go from being such a hero at a place to being such an absolute parody. Uh, of his former self, I think that's what we can refer to him as right now. Um, the, the the way that things have gone downhill for Arsenal, I don't need to get into it because everyone knows, you know, over the past, you could say, 13, 14 years, yeah, they won a couple FA Cups, uh, two or three, I don't even know how many, but it seems for them, you know, I have a lot of Arsenal, uh, I have a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans, and I remember when they won the first one and the second one, they, they were celebrating like they had just won the Champions League, which says a lot for such a big club like Arsenal to you know, for their fans to have that mentality now for celebrating trophies. And I don't blame them uh, because a lot of them growing up never really saw their team win uh, after after the Invincibles. You remember, you know, with Sask and all those young players that they had, you could say 12 years ago, 11 years ago, and how bright of a future Arsenal had. And it just started going downhill. And when we reached, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, maybe like 2013, 14, around then, and the Wenger out stuff started, uh, he could have he left could have left on you know in a situation where he would still have been a hero there so have been a guy that they look back upon and said you know wow we were lucky to have this manager for so long he did so much for the club he brought the emirates uh to us because that's something that he doesn't get a lot of credit for to be fair the work he did involving uh, bringing in a new stadium albeit a horrible atmosphere but that's not his fault that's their fans and uh in the end that's not the case because this man is the most arrogant man in football I, I find it hard to to give him credit now for for what's happening because you could say, oh, there's maybe they won the FA Cup last year and this season they might win the Carabao Cup and you know who knows they won the Europa League against the Champions League. It doesn't matter. This guy should have left two, three years ago. He is tarnishing his legacy, and for me, the fact that he what pisses me off. I'm not even an Arsenal fan. In fact, I as a Chelsea fan, I can't stand Arsenal. But just looking at it from the outside, if this was my team, I'd go crazy because. You have a board that promotes austerity, uh, even though they the Deloitte rankings just came out. They're, what, the sixth richest club in the world when it comes to revenue making. Uh, a manager who was talking this week about how they want to make money, yet you're letting all these contracts run down and having to let players go for half what they're worth for, uh, half what they're worth, and in, in Sanchez's case, getting a straight swap with Mkhitaryan, 
who's a good player, but if he doesn't regain his form, it's not a good swap at all. So it's very interesting how they promote so much, how much money they want to make and all that when they are making money and at the same making terrible at the same time making terrible decisions that's costing them money. And you just have this man at the forefront who is just ignoring fans. I'm not saying that he should resign because fans say Van Gaal, but this man just has so much arrogance there. And it's, it's just frustrating to watch from the outside. And uh, the situation of Arsenal is just ridiculous. This Arsenal team's not good. It's not, that's, at the end of the day, that's not a top four team in England. And yeah, they just beat us uh, in the Carabao Cup. But that's also because Chelsea are in absolute shambles right now. This Arsenal team has been bad for many years for their standards. And even if things change a little bit, if they bring Aubameyang in or something else, it's not a good situation. Arsene Wenger is an arrogant, arrogant man who can't look himself in the mirror and admit that he's at fault for a lot of the problems going on at the club. Mm. And the first thing, I, can, I agree with basically everything you said there, and the first thing that I would just say is, starting off with a, with a, a couple you know, quotes here, um, one is that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And if that doesn't epitomize what Arsene Wenger and Arsenal have done over the last... I don't even know how long last like even it can even go back as far as 2010-ish around then um, so it's been almost eight years of them doing basically the exact same thing and expecting different results time and time again and it's just ridiculous it's it's they're, they're just so afraid of change at this point that they keep hanging on to him keep clinging on to him just in the hope that something will turn and even though there's never been any signs that anything will ever change there's never been once during probably there's never been one moment really in this last eight years where you were like okay this is now the moment for arsenal it's just there's never really ever been that um you know clear spark or clear change where you would expect that to happen um and he and the thing that's that's tough about arson Wenger is that he's had so many opportunities to leave at a good moment where he would still like you said sort of be thought of as a hero and you know rightfully so for the things that he did in, in the beginning of his career but you know, and I'll and I'll say the one the, the one that I thought where he should have left was 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 last year where he wins the FA Cup, he goes out on a high, um, and 20- that was already that was already late that he should have left before that. Oh, that would have well, been a, well before, a nice well, well before. But this was a, would have been a perfect moment to sort of save his career by you know he completely overstayed his visit, but he won the FA Cup, went out on a high, fans were pretty happy, and at that exact moment, because of a bust up between the Dortmund board and Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel became available, and that. You couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to, you know, hand over the keys to someone who is a brilliant, brilliant coach, young, passionate, you know, attack, really, really smart tactically. You could have handed him the keys, you know, going in with some decent confidence. Maybe you could have re-signed Alexis and maybe you could have re-signed Ozil as well. But, of course, he didn't because he likes to hang on. He likes to stay on. He wants to keep doing this. Um and in the end, it's costing the club. And like you said, I think that's why these top players keep leaving. And it's happened time and time again over the years. RVP, Alexis, Fabregas, you know, maybe Ozil at the end of this year. Even lesser players like Bakari Sanya and Gail Clichy jump ship to go to Manchester City when, when the opportunity presented itself. So, I mean, it's crazy. And, and if Arsenal fans think that anything is going to change in the future with Arsene Wenger at the helm, it's just entirely not true. So until, Arsenal will never progress um, as a club to the heights that they want to be until Arsene Wenger gets out of there and and I'm and I think it's as simple as that honestly you know what they should, you know what they should just real quick before we wrap this up Mark you know what you know what we should rename Arsenal's last 5 years La La Land and I think I think uh, Wenger's press conference this week epitomizes that when he's talking about player loyalty and all these guys that they want to develop and grow old with the club it's at the end of the day that's a nice vision it's a nice utopia really because we are in 2018 that doesn't work like that anymore you know it's it's not 1990 so it's La La Land for Arsenal and Arsene Wenger. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so the next one that we wanted to talk about was another, um, you know, it's, it's sort of related because we're talking about a transfer, um, and it's the potential arrival of Amrik Laporte 
to Manchester City for a reported 65 million euros. Um, and while a lot of people have been pretty excited about this move, it was a move that was supposed to happen a couple years ago until Laporte actually rejected Manchester City at the last minute. Um, and while everyone's been pretty optimistic about this deal, we tweeted out, it's definitely a bit odd that Manchester City are pulling the trigger on Laporte considering he stagnated the last couple years. It's such a large fee, and we feel that there are better and potentially cheaper options out there, to name a few. Skriniar from Inter Milan, Dio Upamecano from Red Bull Leipzig, and Matthias Delict from Ajax. So I'll start with this one, Tomas, because I just think that, <clears throat> that spending 65 million euros on any center back um, is ludicrous already, right off the bat. I, we've talked about this over and over and over again, that I would never really pay any sort of you know, fee over maybe 30, 35 million euros for center back because they quite simply just do not impact the game enough. Um, they don't do enough on the field. They're never touching the ball that often, especially for a team like Manchester City who have the ball for, what, 75% of every single game they play. Um, how much do center backs really do? Obviously, you need them to be comfortable on the ball, etc. But, you know, Otamendi and Stones have been pretty good this season. They have some capable backups. They have some capable young, young guys coming through. Um, and I think this money, you know, could have maybe been spent better elsewhere. But my main sticking point with this is that if you're going to be spending, you know, if you've decided that we're going to spend a large percentage of our transfer fee on a center back, going for Laporte just doesn't really make a lot of sense for me. Um, he, you know, he, he he started out, he was very, very promising when he first cut, sort of broke out at Athletic Bilbao. Um, you know, he was, you know, in, in and out of the France squad. Um, then he got a bad injury. And since then, he really, you know, he's been good. He's still a good player, but, you know, definitely nothing, anything to write home about. Um, and you know, I saw a lot of, you know, Spanish, uh, La, uh, La Liga experts and stuff like that. And people that watch Athletic Bilbao regularly, uh, regularly saying that even Yere Alvarez has, you know, been better than him and, um, you know, has really, you know, sort of been their more promising center back over the past two years. So it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I especially feel that they're basically signing him as a third choice because Otamendi and Stones have been so good so far, even though Stones has been a little shaky since coming back from injury um he's basically being signed as third choice and if you're going to sign a third choice guy for that much money at least you know maybe have them be young so that way they don't mind sort of you know playing on the bench being on the bench and sort of developing and learning behind those two which is why i probably would have gone for someone like upa Makano or delict um who may have been more content sitting on the bench and learning and sort of biding their time and you know playing behind otamendian stones and learning from pep and everything um rather than going for a guy who's fairly established at this point and will want to be playing from day one. Um, so it's an interesting one. Now, having said that, before I get to you, Tomas, Laporte is a good player. Um, he has he was very, very impressive when he broke through. He's still been good in the past couple of years. Um, and he, you know, he's good on the ball. Um, he's like, he's, you know, you could say he's a little John Stones-esque on the ball. Um, and obviously, if there's anyone who's going to get the best out of a, you know, ball-playing central defender, that's Pep. Um, obviously saw that with PK, seeing that now with Stones, seeing a lot of improvement with Odomendi, even saw huge impro improvements with Jerome Boateng at Bayern Munich. So yes, while I think this is maybe a little bit of a questionable signing, it would not surprise me one bit if it does work out, but we just sort of wanted to, you know, like we said in, in the, at the end of that tweet that we, you know, we sort of wanted to play devil's advocate here because so many have just been sort of blindly praising it. Yeah. I mean, by no means is there's a, you know, Chelsea signing Andy Carroll kind of, kind of deal going on here. But it's like you said, it's a guy who maybe two, three years ago would have been a fantastic signing, uh, was at the top of his game, was, was so promising, and now he's, he's not a bad player, like you said. But there were better options. Uh, Delict, in particular, 
Uh, I know you love him, Mark. Uh, I think all of Europe's starting to love him and seeing how good he is after you've been seeing it for quite a while, uh, being the, the uh, avid AX that you are. Thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're so clueless about football, but I'll give you that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's odd that someone like Pep, who surely knows about the league and who has such a good eye for youngsters, doesn't, you know, doesn't go after him. And I've said this before, Mark. Yeah, as good as City have been defensively this year, or I guess you could say the likes of Stones and Otamendi, I still don't really rate them that highly. Not to take anything away from them, especially Otamendi, who's been terrific this year. I still don't think he's a you know incredible center back. I think a lot of it comes down to the system uh, and uh, the way that Pep has his team set out to play. It minimizes the times that a center back you know faces adversity in a game. And we see what happens when people go at them, such as the Liverpool game, they will struggle uh, simply because they're not that great. And at the end of the day, when you're sitting and you have so much money and you have a manager with the pull that Pep Guardiola has, it, it's interesting to me that they wouldn't go if, – if they do want to spend, say, $60 million on a center back or however, you know, however much they want to spend on a center back, that they wouldn't go after someone who's simply a better player. You know, uh, Someone like Bonucci, okay, not having a great year by any means, having a horrible year. I'm not saying they should go after Bonucci, but someone you know, some of that profile who if Pep wants a ball-playing center back, get a ball-playing center back. But why pay $65 million for a guy who's – an okay player could be good under Pep, but at the end of the day, if you get a better player, how good could he be under Pep? You know, so it's a slightly odd signing for me. Uh, it's not a bad signing. It's just not a terrific signing. And I think at the end of the day, uh, I don't think Manchester City will regret the signing. I don't think the fans would be looking back on this in two years. I mean, that was a terrible signing, but it could be better. And in my opinion, it should be better when you're Manchester City and you're striving to, you know, put that PSG team and the Madrid team and that Bayern Munich team, and I guess to a certain extent Barca as well, you know, off that pinnacle, and you wanna, you're going to get to that level, you need top, top players. And I don't think someone like Laporte is that guy to really usher in that era. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think that if, like it, 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 like I said, it'll be, one of those, it'll be one of those signings that in two years no one will remember the transfer fee and everyone will say, okay, you know, it was a great signing. I just do think that, like you said, that there were options out there that I would have you know, I would have pulled the trigger on before going with Laporte, but I, like you said, the, the and having said that, I think the the difference is that when he first comes into the team, will he be a starter? I'm not so sure. And you have to think that if you're paying 65 million euros for a center back, he's going to be what the second most expensive center back of all time. You'd have to think that he should slot right in there. But will he? I don't really think so. Um, so we'll we'll see how it plays out, and I don't think it'll be a bad signing at all. Like we keep like we continually keep saying, but it just you know. Better options out there. Um, think the transfers deserved, you know, slightly more criticism than it's received. I guess, and I guess, um, you know, it, does it does it improve Manchester City right now? No, but you know, going forward, it'll be great. They'll have more center back options, and you know, maybe potential to play a back three as well, so it could give them some tactical flexibility. So there are some points to this to this transfer, but you know, yeah. like we like we're saying, it it's, it doesn't get as good. It's not as good as we keep thinking it might be. So the final one that we want to talk about was the how Jadon Sancho has been terrific since for Borussia Dortmund since leaving Manchester City. And basically our, our point was there's so many good British talents right now, and not, not even necessarily British talents, but talents that play in the Premier League. And if it was up to us, they would leave in order to get minutes elsewhere because, frankly, development in the Premier League just doesn't really happen. There's... 
whether you want to say maybe there's too much money involved so the coaches don't want to risk playing teenagers or whatever it might be, they simply don't get enough minutes. And there's so many good ones right now, especially British ones, like Phil Foden and Reese Nelson and Cal Munson, Hodoy and uh, Angel Gomez, etc. that I just, you know, I think that Sancho's proving how good it can be to leave England, even though everyone, you know, loves to think that England's the pinnacle, and maybe it is, but, you know, there are other ways to develop. Um, and I think that more English talents should look to move on. Yeah, I completely agree with you, especially we see so many of these young guys who just keep losing so much time of their career just because they don't get on the field. And I, I, I like the point you made, Mark. It's not so much that I don't think you can blame the clubs that much or the managers. I really think it's just a case, like you said, there's too much money involved. There's too much at stake. And at the end of the day, I think I don't want to keep bringing Chelsea up, but I think for, for this is actually a good example. When you have such a good youth team and you, you look at somebody that the youngsters at Chelsea have, they're winning everything, but you barely see any of them make the field. And you say, why not? Does that mean Conte doesn't want to give chances to youngsters, for instance? It, it, that's not the case. It's, it's more a case of what if he does give chances to youngsters and they're not ready? And then they slip out of top four and it costs them however many millions and the team misses out on the Champions League and he gets sacked. And it's a hard situation, but it's just how it is with the Champions League. Uh, being such a, a prize pool for these big clubs, and it, at the end of the day, they can't risk it. So you can't blame youngsters for leaving, and you can't blame managers for not playing them. I think it's just an unfortunate situation. I would personally love to have what we have in Spain with a you know Real Madrid B, Barcelona B, uh, sorry, Real Madrid Castilla. You get you get the point. Uh, something along that uh, along those lines. But obviously in England, a lot of people don't want to see that just because the championship in itself. Uh, and even League One and League Two, to a certain extent, are such attractions compared to lower leagues in other places that they don't want these big clubs already who dominate the top division, dominating the lower divisions. And it's kind of unfortunate, but you also get to you, you see where they're coming from as well. So all around is just it's a tricky situation. And I think the answer is at the end of the day to send these players out on loan to maybe sell them and have a buyback clause and, and give them a chance to develop. And in the long run, if a club doesn't want to play them because they can't afford to risk it. Why not sell them and have a buyback clause? Why not loan them out? It's it's good for everyone involved. And at the end of the day, if, if they prove themselves in Germany or in Holland or somewhere else, maybe they will come back and and you know prove their prove their worth in the Premier League in the future. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's like it's not even talents that aren't that good. It's ones who are incredibly good. I mean, look at Kevin De Bruyne and Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba couldn't even get a chance at United, even though they were playing Rafael ahead of him in mid- midfield. He goes to Juventus, becomes one of the best players in the world. They bring him back. Kevin De Bruyne couldn't get a sniff at Chelsea, goes to Wolfsburg, becomes, you know, Bundesliga player of the year, comes back to the Premier League and is now dominant. And I just think that, you know, and, and, and guys like Thibaut Courtois as well, went to Atletico Madrid for a while, came back, now now is back at Chelsea. I just think that if you're really serious about your development as a player, you know, that's okay to go to the Premier League, but you should say, okay, I'm signing for you, Chelsea. I'm signing for you, Man U. I'm signing for you, Man City. I'm signing for you, whoever. Um, but send me, you know sell me out with like a buyback clause or whatever it might be because I think loans are a little annoying because you don't get much continuity with your team so maybe something like Courtois where you get like a three-year loan um, so you get you know established in your team etc but I just think that you know the fact that guys like Phil Foden and Callum Hudson-Odoi and Reese Nelson are really struggling for game time considering how good they are and especially in the case of Nelson and Hudson-Odoi that Arsenal and Chelsea aren't even doing, you know, that well at the moment. Some of their attacking players haven't been that good. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of injuries, a lot of departures, and even then, they still can't even really get a sniff in the team, and it's it, it's unfair. And I think that they have the they have the ability, as Sancho is showing for Bruce Dorman, they have the ability to you know be game changers for, for these teams. 
but you know, it just doesn't really happen in the Premier League. So you know, why not go elsewhere? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we will see we'll see more young players coming through in the Premier League in the future, but not not through their clubs, but rather because they got game time outside of you know outside the Premier League and. Like you said, Mark, like I said, it's an unfortunate situation, but but it's just how it is. That's how football is nowadays, and it's just too much money, too mm. much money. Mm. Well, that's all we have time for, just a short one covering just a few of our uh, tweets over the last, uh, over the last week. Um, stay tuned for the next one where we discuss more controversial things that we will undoubtedly post. So until then... We should get a room yourself and your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out of magazine, feel things I ain't ever felt.